Hello, welcome to First Time Parents. I'm Griffo. <laughs> and I'm Heidi. And today we're going to be talking about something that I think a lot of families are afraid to have these conversations. Now, this whole season is about communication and Christy, our next guest, is a former detective. She's written a book called Operation Kids Safe and she has been sliding into my DMs, my emails for the last six months saying, I need to speak to your audience. She's TikTok cop on TikTok. <laughs> but the conversations that she is having uh, with families, with um, teenagers and kids online is really, really important. Um, you're reading her book at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, about a third of the way through now. So, yeah, very, very in-depth, um, informative, um, not always comfortable reading, but also it's the, the safety side that's, yeah, most important. So we've got Christy on today and we're going to talk to her about protective behaviours. So for children between zero and eight years, this is the most crucial time for us to educate our kids and have conversations that empower, educate, educate them and safeguard them. And that's why we've got Christy on here today because she has seen and heard it all. And this isn't to scare you. This is to scare you into empowerment, really. Educate. Yeah. Yeah. So shall we do this? Let's go. Well, um, welcome. We were just doing a little intro. So how would you describe yourself, Christy? I, I don't like this question because I hate talking about myself, but here I am talking about myself. Um, how would I describe myself? I would first of all describe myself as a mum first uh, and an ex-police officer, detective, a really passionate human. Um, I love helping and I, that's why I ended up as a police officer, I guess. Um, but most of all, I'm on a mission. So that's how I would describe myself. Yes. And what is your mission? My mission is to empower parents and, and to help them know what I know about child abuse and to help them prevent child abuse in their families and their communities. Oh, so powerful. Both of us have read your book. Well, Griffo said he's three quarters of the way through. What do you know about child abuse that many families don't know? What I know about child abuse is that it is so much more prevalent than what parents know. Like everyone, it's so much more prevalent than what people are willing to actually admit to. You know, one in four adults in Australia will be a victim of child sexual abuse. So, and that means one in four of our children will be a victim of child sexual abuse from in one way, shape or form. So when you have that many people affected by it, why aren't we talking about it more often? And that was the one thing that I learned as a police officer is that it, we aren't talking about it enough. Yeah, it's so bizarre because it's why is it such a taboo subject when it's the last thing you want to happen to you or someone that you know? I think it's because generationally, like the generations before us, we're, we're, the, we're actually changing the the future aren't we we're actually making a change for the better but generationally we didn't talk about it. it was you know kept under the rug you don't go near that uncle or that person you know um you know it was always I don't think people the 
generations before us actually had the tools in their tool belt to be able to deal with this stuff. They just, it was easier to ignore it or to to pretend it didn't happen. Uh, Whereas I think our generation of parenting is just like, let's look at this right in the fucking face of it. And like, let's do something about it. We're not too, we're not scared to like look at it. So I think that's why it's changing, but yeah, so much damage can be done by not doing something or not talking about it. Well, so hit us with the stats. What stats? Because I think this is what people need to hear to then make them go, okay, and inspire them and into action, into empowerment, into education. So hit us with some of those like crazy stats. Okay, so one in three girls and one in five boys will be a victim of child sexual abuse by the time they reach 18. I wrote one in seven boys in my book and I was writing that for two years. It's gone down to one in five boys. So one in three girls and one in five boys. If you have a classroom of 30 kids in any classroom and you split it down the middle 50-50, you know, you're going to have five girls and you're going to have, what's that make it, three boys in that classroom that are going to be a victim. yeah 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 and so then so so when you think about it like that you think far out like we desperately need to keep we desperately need to be talking about this and and that was what I kept thinking when I was in the police like why don't parents know what I know like why aren't they talking about this but the reason why they're not is because no one's talking about it. We're hiding it. And um, but some of the other stats is is that ninety over ninety percent. It's around ninety five percent of all child sexual abuse will be by someone known to a child. So you know, it's someone in their home, it's someone in their community, it's someone in their family, it's someone in their um, you know sporting group, or it's a neighbor, it's a neighbor's friend, it's um, you know someone known to them. Five percent is a stranger, and um, and it's so little, like in the 10 years I was in the police, I only ever investigated one stranger abuse of a child. It was always someone known. Which is really bizarre because that was, uh, I remember as a kid, stranger danger, you know, it was all, always about that. But, you know, and you're probably more led towards going to people that you're comfortable with, but that's where the danger is. So yeah. yep. do you think um, schooling nowadays has updated their way in teaching kids as to what's right and wrong and how to see signs of inappropriateness and all that? Yeah, there's definitely been an update. Like it was legislated into West Australian curriculum, but Australia-wide curriculum that kids would be taught about protective behaviours or a or a very simplified version of protective behaviours, which I talk about in my book. But um, protective behaviours is when it was added to the curriculum, we saw an increase in children coming forward and talking about it because we forget that we think that children have to say something to an adult or say something when something happens. But if they don't know that something is wrong, then they're just going to go along with the adult or the person who's, you know, grooming them or who is, um, you know, abusing them. Because uh, one of the things that I've recently learned is, you know, we hear the term the harm of least resistance all the time. I'm sorry, the the path of least resistance. Well, when it comes to child sexual abuse or even child abuse of any form, it's the palm of the path of least harm. So children will do whatever they need to do to stay safe. And if that means going along with being hurt, they will do it. And that, like, that just breaks my heart. And so, you know, um, so children have had this, you know, they're, they're taught that it's you know, what's not appropriate and inappropriate at school. They're taught that, you know, they can come and talk to someone about it. So those are the safety, you know, 
uh, the safety lessons that we learn in protective behaviours is, you know, um, you have the right to feel safe at all times. Doesn't matter when what's going on in your world, but you should be able to feel safe at all times. And also, you have um, you can always talk to someone about anything. And so, when we saw kids being taught this, all of a sudden we had reports increased because all of a sudden they realised that I actually can talk to people. I can talk to someone, whether that be an adult in their life or it be a teacher or a, you know someone. But um, yeah, so we are seeing better education, but I feel like parents need that education as well. Like you mm. guys have a young little man that's amazing. And I remember holding my little girl when she was, she's 15 now, she's still a little girl in my eyes, but, you know, she was a baby. And I remember looking at her with, you know, looking down at her at three weeks, I think it was, and I had this like massive mind explosion. It was before I was in the police because I didn't know she was two. And I had this mind explosion like, oh, my God, I've got to keep this person alive. <laughs> I've got to keep her safe. I've got to keep her like, holy fuck, how do I freaking keep this thing alive? And I don't know, you know, and like I just had this freaking like epiphany and I, I just couldn't believe that I was irresponsible. I don't know. I was 28, 26 <laughs> when I had her. Like I was like, holy shit. Um, And then like my brain went into overload like, okay, how do I do that? Because I'm a thinker. I'm a, I'm a like a you know, try and work out, you know, how to fix things for other people usually. But I'm like, okay, so how do I help this person get to adulthood safe? Like, how do I do that? I mean, not everyone has to go and join the police like I did. But, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I your moment, yeah. you were literally looking at your baby and then you're like, right, I need to start helping her, like, you know, um, carve out a safe way for her. And so then you've done it for other people as well. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I kept thinking when um, I was writing my book is like, I just want parents to know what I know because every time I, and one of the things about my ex, my career in the police, I was a specialist child interviewer. So I used to sit across the table for nine years. I sat across the table from children with a camera going like we are interviewing them and hearing what they had to say about their abuse. And I would, you know, hundreds of children have told me, you know, stories of their abuse and, and I just, I kept seeing like patterns and the way that these people were behaving and the, the, the types of people that were in their lives that were abusing them. And I was, I was like, why doesn't anyone else see this? Why are we still not protecting our kids? And so that's what led me to write the book. Oh, it's so good. Operation Kids Safe. We'll chuck the details in the show notes. And I'll also chuck um, the kids' books that you, so you and I have been talking um, on social media and, you know, you connected with us through email and stuff and you recommended some books um, through Educate to Empower Publishing as well for kids' conversations. And I actually chucked it in my mother's group and was like, girls, you need to get, you know, across all these books. And I chucked yours in there too, obviously. Um, but they said like, yeah, what are we supposed to be reading our kids' books like this already? Like, so Memphis is nearly four and, you know, these girls are the same and only one of them had been reading a book, you know, like that she popped up and she was like, this is another good one. So I think that's the thing, isn't it? You were on Sunrise recently talking about it and they asked you a question of like, oh, well, isn't that going to encourage behaviour or, you know, make them, um, you know, more of a victim because they're talking about it? Can you tell us why this is the most crucial time? 
Well, first of all, um, the, it's crucial because when we normalize it at this age, it becomes just everyday conversations that we have with our kids. I, when I became a specialist child interviewer, my daughter was three and I went away to this training and had my blinkers blown off by the statistics and everything I'm telling you about. And it was scary. Like I came home and hugged my daughter like harder than ever before. And I went, oh my God, how do I keep her safe? Like I, I felt overwhelmed by the information. Like every parent does I have been there. I know what it's like. But one thing I knew is, is that protective behaviours and all these conversations, those books, they are what makes the difference. And there was a mum from Canberra who recently, I recently posted about it on my socials, a mum from Canberra who her four-year-old boy had been um, indecently assaulted at daycare and she had been teaching him protective behaviours So from three And so when this person at this daycare had indecently assaulted him, he went straight to his mum and told her and she advocated for him and he went to court and the the person was found guilty. Now, if she hadn't have taught him that, who's to say he would have ever mentioned it or said anything? So the thing is, is that when the, to me, education is empowerment. When we're educated and we're empowered, the more we know, the better we can, you know, we can verbalize it, vocalize. And I've seen young people who had no idea that they were being groomed or abused until someone else had first cottoned onto it. And then they said something to, you know, there's someone else has seen it and gone, hey, that's not okay. So how can, you know, if you don't know what you don't know and your children need to know this stuff. So I would be talking to your kids, reading those books. That's why those books are so beautiful because they do it in such a nice way that it's age appropriate, it's developmental appropriate. You're not scaring your kids. I mean, Memphis isn't scared by those books. He loves his new books. (laughs) Yeah. When you've got a book that says, my body says what I say goes, you're empowering your child to know what what it is that they, you know, that they're empowered. And my daughter, when I was talking about it, and she'll kill me for saying this on a podcast, but, you know, she was three and I was teaching her about the private parts and, you know, her, her vagina, vulva, bum, blah, 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 blah. And she wanted to, she's like, but where do I pee? You know, she was asking questions. You know what little kids are like. And so she had this massive mirror in her bedroom, like a, a full door mirror. And so I said, oh, we'll have a look, you know. And so she went and had a look and she realised there's a hole there. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, oh. There's a hole. And then when her dad came home that night, she's like, Dad, 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 come and look at my hole. And I was like, no, you know, like we don't show people our private parts. But also, you know, like she learnt uh, how to say no, you know. She used to say stop it, I don't like it with her hand out. And she used that as her language as to I don't like what you're doing. And it was so powerful that now over the years that went to stop it, I don't consent, I, you know, I don't want you to, you know, she's, she's never, ever not known that she can't say no to something. So saying no is so important. It, it's not just about, you know, when they become sexually active or when something says, someone does something inappropriate to them. It's about everything in their lifetime, empowering your children to know, you know, they don't have to tolerate being treated poorly. They don't have to put up with being treated badly in a relationship. Yeah. So, you know, like it's just really important stuff, really, really important. <laughs> Do you know what? Memphis has been using it against me a little bit. He's like, mum. This is my body. I'm the boss of my body. When like, I, I don't know, it was cleaning his teeth the other day. I was cleaning his teeth and he was like, no, mum, 
I'm the boss of my body and I don't want to clean my teeth. <laughs> like I did laugh in my head because one of the books, like literally on the last page is like, I'm the boss of my body. And so he's learning it. Like he's actually learning it. And then he'll say to you sometimes when you wrestle, won't he? He'll go, no, stop that. I don't like that daddy. I don't like that daddy. And I said to Griffo, you've got to listen to him because that's yeah. what we're teaching him up. And so with his teeth when he was like no I'm the boss of my body I was like right how am I going to get around this so like I got him into the other bathroom and got him to do it that way but yeah like it is landing yeah and the thing is is that um I was talking about this with another protective behaviors educator and she was like you know we we also need to discuss things like you know safe and unsafe right so when when our children feel unsafe or like you Heidi okay when do you know when you feel unsafe What's yeah. going on in your body? Yeah, you start to, I start to get butterflies in my stomach. I'll, um, you know, start getting in my head. Like my breathing will start to get like, you know, quite fast. Yep. Maybe sweaty palms. Like my back gets wet because <laughs> I'm covered yep. in sweat. <laughs> yep. And the thing is, is that I have met children who can't even identify what it feels like to feel unsafe because they've grown up in an unsafe environment. So if if the thing is, is that um, when we sit down with our kids and we say, okay, what's it feel like to you to feel unsafe? What what do you feel when you feel unsafe? Because how, how do we know to stop something or to not do something or to say, stop it, I don't like it, if we don't know what it feels like to feel unsafe? So it's really important for our kids to know that. But one of the other parts to that is with the teeth thing or like crossing the road. Some kids just don't want to hold your hand whilst crossing the road is that everyone has the right to feel safe at all times, including you, including me, everyone, right? So when when uh, we're talking about consequences and, you know, and maybe Memphis is a little bit young, but, you know, you can add that, you can add this in later. You talk to him about, it's not okay for you to make me feel unsafe by you acting, you, you doing what you're doing. So it's about everyone has the right to feel safe. So, you know, you're when you don't do something like hold my hand as I cross the road, well, that makes me feel unsafe. So it's not okay to do that. So let's let's find a workaround or, you know, trick him into going to the other bathroom or make it a game. I used to make things a game or you say, hey, well, you've got... A, you need to brush your teeth. I'll give you another 10 minutes and then we're brushing your teeth. So, you know, like it's sometimes with little ones, it's more about the timing versus the actual. <laughs> or today it was actually no toothpaste because he doesn't like Elsa toothpaste or bluey toothpaste anymore. He, so I said, okay, and it was 10 minutes of like a full-on big meltdown. And then I was like, okay, well, wh- how about we just clean your teeth with water today? And he was like, okay. <laughs> like you just got to do what you got to do and some days I just go no don't worry about it we won't clean your teeth you can clean your teeth doubly tonight with dad yeah. <laughs> anyway yeah. that's a little bit off topic of the importance of what why we've got you in in here so for those parents a lot of the parents that are following our journey our son is almost four as you know what are the conversations that we all need to be having like what are some of the things that we need to be talking about our kids like if you can give us direction well definitely the protective behaviors lessons you know um what what it feels like when you feel unsafe private parts versus public parts you know private parts are anywhere your bikini or your your um 
bathers cover, uh, including your mouth. You know, someone said to me, your mouth is a private part. And I was like, no one's ever said that to me before. I've been doing this for 13 years and no one's ever said that. But you think you don't just go ramming fingers in people's mouths, do you? So yeah. it technically is a private part, right? Um, you know, that. Uh, so private versus public secrets and surprises or safe secrets, unsafe secrets. It's really important to have those conversations because, uh, pre- you know, people who groom children and predators, they will use secrets as a way to um, get compliance from a child. You know, it's our secret, etc. You know, having those conversations early on makes life so much easier because when you get to, you know, in a few more years, you're going to need to have conversations around pornography and um, sexting and, you know, sex and masturbation and all of the cool, like, topics that come up that are, like, none of our parents probably talk to us about. Um, but they make it easier because you've had this open conversation dialogue the whole time. Um, you know, I always love the converse. I always used to say, and I still do today, what would you do if? I love to use scenarios or things I hear in the public or, hey, what would you do if someone asked you to come, you know, the old stranger danger that you are saying, Griff, you know, our parents used to say, don't take lollies off strangers, don't pat anyone's dog, Um, what are the, you know, those sorts of things, don't go in a white van with an old man, you know, like the old stranger danger messaging, which is so outdated and so, so needs to disappear. But, um, you know, like what would you do if someone at the park was being mean to you? What would you do if uh, someone showed you a picture of a rude, someone's rude parts? What would you do if, you know, and or what could kids do? You know, make it not about them, make it about kids in general because when you do, like for me as a police officer, we did scenario training all the time where we were practising, practising, practising in case something happened, Right. Well, we just do that with our kids because that's the empowerment piece. That's the, hey, I know what to do if something happens. So, you know, having all these protective behaviours conversations as young as possible, you can have these conversations from starting from two, three, and then you're then adding the empowerment in there. What could kids do if someone showed them a picture of their private parts or what could kids do if someone asked to look at their private parts? I mean, I remember my daughter was in daycare and she came home and she goes, Mummy, a boy asked to look at my um, fanny. She used to say fanny, not vagina. Oh, no, vagina. She used vagina. to say vagina. Yo, <laughs> she say fanny sound like from our parents' day. <laughs> I know. Her, her nan used to call it her flamingo. And I was like, stop calling it a flamingo. It's it's her vagina. <laughs> um, anyway, so, yeah, she used to say, a boy asked to look at my vagina in the toilets and I said what did you do and she goes I told him to smell my feet (laughs) because she said he's not allowed to look at my vagina (laughs) and I was like he was she was about four at the time and she we still laugh about that now but um you know she knew from an early age and that's the thing you're empowering them to know what to do with that and Mm -hmm. who to talk to um yeah so I think it's really important I know I have conversations with Memphis where I'll be like, what do you do? If you, you know, would you do, what would you do? What would you do here? What would you do that? Like, and he always goes now like, and he pats himself and he goes, I come to you, mum, or I come to someone on my safety network. And he talks about, you know, grand or granddad, mum, dad, yep. or nanny and pop. They're the people that he's decided are his yeah. safety network. Like, and I know that he is only three and a half, almost. But, I'm, um, you know, we're trusting that that's like, you know, 
Yeah, one of the other things about that is their safety network will change as they age. So it might not stay like people that, they're his direct people, right? They're the ones in his little universe that he knows right now. But as he ages, it might become a teacher will be on there. Like his favourite teacher might be on there or um, it might be an auntie or an uncle or whoever. But the thing that we also need to remember is that, um, you know, it's, sadly, only one in three adults will believe a child when they report their abuse. So that statistic is only from 2022 where only one in three adults will will actually believe a child. So we actually have to teach persistence as well when we're talking about this stuff. You know, if the so when I talk to kids about this stuff, I say, you know, if the first person doesn't listen to you on your safety network and doesn't help you um, so you've got your unsafe feelings and you go to, to the first person and they they don't make it stop. So they've got to be able to, first of all, be someone who can help you and make it stop, then go to the next person and keep going until you find the person that makes your unsafe feelings stop. Because one of the things we don't realise is that, you know, especially some some people just don't hear little kids or kids in general, teenagers in general, you know, some of the saddest stories that I heard were where parents didn't believe their kids and then they kept telling or, you know, a teacher found out that was mandatory reported and then I'm I'm sitting there across the table from a teenager or a young person saying my parents don't believe me, you know, and, and I'm the one who's sitting across from them going I believe you and, you know, and it shouldn't come from me, it should come from parents because, you know, kids don't lie there's there's so many there's so I won't say they don't always lie but they will lie more to protect a person than they will to protect themselves because Mm -hmm. they don't want to disappoint adults they don't want to disappoint those people around you and the last point I wanted to make is is that uh, over 50 percent so 40 to 50 percent of all child sexual abuse is done by another child so as much as we grew up with our cousins and our friends and our you know neighbors and everyone ran around together if I, when I post this stuff online, I get so many people coming to me and saying, yes, I was abused by my neighbor, my friend, my sister, my brother, my uncle, uncle who same, you know, similar age. So we need to remember that children should be supervised and they need to be supervised for a reason because they don't know better until we teach them better. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, there's a few things in there and it's hard and it's hard to hear. And we think that our kids should, you know, but if we really seriously want to protect our kids, like I did when I looked at my little girl and I was like, how do I save this kid? How do I make sure she gets to 18 without dying and, you know, becomes the most strongest person that she can be? Well, then we need to take this seriously. Yes. Yep. Do you have anything to add? No, I think that's summed up quite well. And like I said, I'm only about a third of the way through the book. It's, it is very informative, but it's it's not a um, a nice happy read. Um, <laughs> but it's it's the education that you're really reading it for to protect your kids, um, yourself to educate so you can be better at being a parent and being a carer. It isn't a happy read, but you know what's not happy, what's not great is when you you know you're sitting across the table from someone who's had this happen to them and they're traumatized because the people who should have saved them or protected them didn't and that's that is what drove me is like I want I want people to know this so that they can because most of us I didn't grow up in a, I personally didn't grow up abused sexually um but I knew that but I you know I have other stories in there that you guys have read about um, you know, and 
I personally wasn't a victim of child sexual abuse, but I was, you know, physical and and psychological abuse. But all I wanted was someone who would hear me. And really, that's all most people want. Like, every time I speak to historical child sexual abuse survivors, they just said, I just wanted someone to believe me. I just wanted someone to hear me. And that's what, you know, and the reason why a lot of our parents and and grandparents and people, they don't know what to do with this stuff. So that's why I wrote the, what you know, the, the last chapter or last part of it was what to do if. So parents could be also armed with, well, if this happens to my child, then I know what to do because then you can take those steps that make it easier for your own kids and mm-hmm. and, le- and less traumatising. I was going to say before we wrap up, Christy, um, one thing I will ask you before we finish up is what if it does happen and because you're talking about protective behaviours with your children and they come to you, what would you say the process is for a family? Uh, it really depends situationally and and what ha- what's happened, but I guess the first thing is is to tell your child, "I'm thank you for telling me, and I'm proud of you for coming to me, and that you, f- you because they need to know that th- they haven't done anything wrong. A lot of kids feel like they have done something wrong by telling someone because they don't want anyone else to get in trouble. You know, it doesn't matter who has the one that's harmed them; they don't want the other person to get in trouble doesn't matter who. So, you know, thank you for telling me. Thank you for being so brave and telling me about this stuff. Um, I'm going, you know, I'm going to help you now. You know, I'm going to help you because that's the other thing. They just want it to stop. They don't really necessarily want it to go to police and to for someone to be charged and, you know, to get justice. That's more us as parents. That's what we want. What they want is for it to stop and for them to feel safe again. And that's all you need to ensure that that's what happens for them to feel safe again. So, you know, um, you know, thank them, tell them that you're going to do something about it. And then, um, you know, the process could be getting some help from a psychologist. If it's been, you know, unfortunately, probably not the first step is to maybe get some advice from police. You know, it de- like, again, it depends on the situation. If it's an adult harming a child, we'll definitely go first to the police because, you know, we know adults know better if it's a child harming a child, then, you know, that's a little bit more difficult and it might be a little bit harder. So, may, But you can still get advice from police detectives. Um, unfortunately, from my experience in the police and from since I've left, I realise that, you know, a lot of people don't get any sense of justice when they do go to the police sometimes because sometimes nothing happens, when, especially if there's not enough evidence. Or, But your first port of call should always be, um, you know, is your child safe? Are they going to come into contact with the other person or the person that's harmed them again? You know, if it's a child at school, for instance, well, what steps can we take to ensure that our child doesn't have to see that person anymore or is not put in a situation where that person can further harm them? If it's someone who's an adult, well, how do I stop them from having contact with my child? So those sorts of steps would be really important to think through. I love that. And I know people can contact you on Instagram. We'll chuck that in. I know you do like sessions, paid sessions. So people, you could be their first port of call, you know. uh, So we'll chuck all your details in there as well. Um, But yeah, go get this book, Operation Kid Safe by Christy. Follow Christy online. She educates, she empowers. And then also you share bunches of books and stuff that, you know, parents can have these kids conversations, which is also educate to empower. You need to get an affiliate link for them. 
<laughs> I know I haven't talked to them about that, but I do share their books like a lot. Like to them, but get yourself an affiliate link and um, yeah, start getting paid because like that's the thing, right? Like it's education. Yeah, yeah, and and in the future, I mean, the book is awesome. It, it's on Audible and Spotify. If you if yeah. you don't have time to read it. Um, and, you know, down the future there's, there's going to be some online courses to help parents as well. Yeah, we'll have everything. Thank you so much, Christy. Keep, keep fighting the good fight. And, yeah, we're fully 100% behind you on your mission to, um, you know, change the conversation and, you know, save these children's lives. Yeah, thank you. And I get that I get my last thing would be I get that it's scary for parents, but remember that the more you know, the better you can protect your kids. And and that um I think that is what is really powerful for parents. So yeah, don't be scared. Thanks, Christy. We love you. Uh for all Christy's details, check the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. If you are loving the podcast, please rate and review five stars and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.